peace be with you. <laughs> Today's scripture is Matthew 25, 14 through 30. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the um, screen behind me or in your bulletin. Please um, do stand with me for the reading of God's word. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags, and to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you, I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew, I knew that you are a hard man in harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever, for whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw the worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Peace be with you. Pray with me. Gracious Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this, this time together in your word. Pray, Lord, that I would decrease so that you would increase. Pray for the hearts of your listeners at this time that you would allow their hearts to be receptive, uh, receptive to uh, the seed of the word, the gospel of the word. We thank you that your word would not return into you void, but it would accomplish what you have said it for you to accomplish. Help me to move out of the way. Help me to be in a spirit. We need you. In Christ's name, amen. Well, today we're starting a, a new series on uh, the parables of Jesus. A parable is a uh, small story um, or statement that Jesus shares that has a big kingdom reality, a, a big kingdom principle. And 
Sometimes parables may read or come off simply, but upon much meditation, looking at the context in which the parable is said, we see that it has a more complex meaning, a very direct meaning when Jesus wrote it. The word parable means to, to throw alongside. This is Jesus throwing alongside a short story or statement that carries big weight, that's getting across a, a big push, a big kingdom principle. And for the next uh, several months, we'll be camping out in the parables. I'm excited to sit and to, to be able to preach and to learn and to hear and to study these parables because these, these are the words of Jesus. This is our master teaching us what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be a kingdom citizen. And he's giving it to us straight. He's giving it to us real. And he's letting us know this is the reality. This is reality. This is truth. And this is coming from the one who died for us, for the one who loves us. So we need to heed it. And I'm simply going to get out of the way today for this text, whenever we preach. But but we just want to see what Jesus had said here, uh, apply it, get out of the way, and let the Spirit work and the Spirit move. Now, we're going for the next two weeks. uh, This week and the next two weeks, we'll be talking specifically about the parables on money. Um, And for some of you, that's just kind of heavy and you're like, oh, I don't want to talk about money. Your background has a lot about church and money and some of it is just complicated and you may have a bit of anxiety. But here's the truth. Here's the reality. 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus taught and shared were about money. A lot of Jesus's teaching and his illustrations were about money. And the reason why Jesus often talked about money is because money is a very practical way to tell where our heart is. We could talk about loving the Lord all day and all night if we want to, but all it takes for us is to open up our pocketbook and to look over our bank statements and to see where our money is going. And likely, if we trace that money long enough and further enough, we can see what we treasure most. And so in this text, the, the uh, servants here are going to be entrusted with money, but we're going to do a broader application today as we kick off this theory, series and talk about stewardship in general, stewardship in general, making the most of all that we are and all that we have for the glory of God. I remember when I was in high school, uh, uh, a big carnival came to town and me and some friends, we were going to go to the carnival. And uh, there was uh, someone that I wanted to impress at the carnival, so I put on my very best outfit. I got ready. I went to my pops. I said, yo, pops, listen, um, you know that gold ring that you have that you only wear every so often? Um, It would go really nice with this watch that I had. It was a fake watch. It was like a knockoff watch, right? It's one of the ones you get for $10 that shines for like two days and turns green. And so um, I'm like, man, it, this, your ring would go so nice with my watch. All my friends would just like, man, they'll they, they think I'm the man. And I just bagged him for like a couple hours, kept coming back to it. And finally he said, here, take my ring, but boy, make sure you bring it back. You better take care of this ring. I said, I got you, Dad. There's no way I'm going to lose this ring. Put it on my finger. I'm in the mirror flossing and like, yeah. <laughs> so... End up going to the carnival. My friends were having a good time. I'm feeling fresh. And uh, I start playing a game. And the game had a big teddy bear if you won. And so while I'm playing the game, I'm like, you know, I would do better at this game if I didn't have this ring on. Okay? You telling me. Y'all like, oh, no, you know where this is going, right? (laughs) So I take the ring off, and I put it right in front of me. And I keep playing the game, and I end up winning the game. 
And I get the teddy bear, turn around, give it, give it to someone, and I'm like elated, begin to walk off. I'm like, you know what? Almost left the ring. Go back, and I look for the ring, and it's gone. And I'm telling you, all the cool points that I had masked that day just instantly <laughs> went away. I went into panic mode. It was no being cool. It was like, oh my good, did you see the ring? Did you see the ring? I'm on the floor looking for the ring. I'm accusing people that was near for taking the ring. <laughs> and the ring never came up. I was a bad manager, a bad steward of something that was precious to my father that he entrusted to me. And that's what this text is about. This text in a larger scale is about Jesus talking to his disciples, saying you all as kingdom citizens are being entrusted with something that is precious. You're being given some resources that is precious. And God has called you to steward them well. And one day, one day he's telling his disciples, I am going to return and you are going to give an account for how you stewarded what I gave you. One day I am going to follow up with you to say, like my father did, Jamal, where is that ring? So what have we been entrusted with as the church, as disciples of Jesus Christ? We've been entrusted with so much. In fact, all that we are, Christ has redeemed us. He's saved us from darkness, transferred us into his kingdom of light. He has entrusted us with, with the very gospel itself the good news of Jesus, to take that message, that good news, and to share it with all who are around us. He's entrusted us with, with being a part of the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, to steward our, our membership and to steward the fact that he saved us, not uh, by works, but by grace through, through faith, to steward that responsibility well. He's entrusted us with, with gifts, spiritual gifts, um, as, as Christians who have been redeemed and who have the Holy Spirit, God has given us all spiritual gifts, things that when we do them, the body of Christ benefits from, and he has entrusted us with those gifts. And he's one day going to hold us accountable for how we use those gifts. And that's exactly what Jesus is telling in this text. It's those who have been saved, those who've been regenerated, those who are, been, who've been made new are those who have, are stewarding what they have been given well out of gratitude. And they are investing into the kingdom. That's what he says here when he starts this parable off by saying again, Again, again. So this parable is in the midst of other parables that are talking about the eschaton, talking about eschatology, the, the return of Jesus. And so again, this again points to the fact that Jesus is saying this in verse 1, at that time the kingdom of heaven will be like. So what is this again saying? He's saying, again, the kingdom of heaven will be like. Again, the kingdom of heaven will be like the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is God's, his rule his reign, his domain. And he's saying the kingdom of heaven again will be like a man going on a journey. Now remember, Jesus is on his way to Golgotha's hill, on his way to, to Calvary. He's about to give his life for those whom the Lord has chosen to be his. He's going to give his life for them. He's going to die for them. And then he's going to defeat death by being resurrected from the dead 
And then he's going to ascend to heaven with the promise that he will one day return. So even as we read this parable, we read it in that light. The kingdom of heaven is like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To the one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went away on a journey. So the first thing we see in this text is that God entrusts all of his servants with resources. Just as this, this manager, uh, this, uh, as, just as this, this master gives uh, these resources to his servants to, to manage, God gives resources to his disciples to manage and to take care of everything that we have. All that we are belongs to the Lord. Listen, I know you think you're grown, but you don't own anything. My house, my car. My job, my shoes, my space, my time. Practically speaking, I understand what we say when we mean that. But if you belong to the Lord, everything that you have is his. He is the Lord. You are his doulas. You are his slave. You are his steward. It belongs to him. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he founded upon the waters and established it upon the seas. Everything that we have is his and he entrusts it all to us. That family that you have, your, your parents, your siblings, it belongs to the Lord. Your spouse, your child, it belongs to the Lord. Your singleness belongs to the Lord. Your job belongs to the Lord. Your friendships is the Lord's. Love the text. It says that he called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Those who are disciples of Jesus are those who have been called, those who have been pursued, those whom Christ, God, has set his affection on, predestined, those he wooed or drew to himself through his spirit, allowing us to by faith, be able to believe. And it is this, this call and it's this grace that we receive that should propel us to be faithful servants. And in the parable, he then gives out bags of gold, bags of money. Now, the word a talent, as it is in some translation, is a significant amount of money. It was back then, and if we were to equate that to today, one talent, one bag, will probably be equivalent to $100,000. So what these servants are receiving is, is a big gift. Even the one who only receives one bag, that's $100,000. That's a lot of money to be entrusted with. And here's the thing. No matter what you've been gifted with or what you have monetarily, no matter how much you think it is, it is significant. Every single one of us, our salvation matters. It is significant. And if you are one of those people who have just been gifted in so many different ways, um, that, that's great. But if you are one of those people who say, well, I only have a little, uh, only been gifted in a little, in, in small ways, and I don't really know what those ways are, listen, it is significant. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. All of the body, all of those who, are, who belong to Christ has a place in the body, and everyone's place and everyone's role is significant. So he distributes bags, 
And I love what it says, of money, each according to his own ability. That's just a great reminder to us all to stop focusing on what other people have received from the Lord. Let's just be grateful for what we have. And God's not going to hold you accountable for what other people do with what they have as much as he's going to hold you accountable for what you do with what you have. If you can't sing like Whitney Houston, God's not going to hold you accountable for singing like Whitney Houston. (laughs) But he's going to hold us all accountable for making a joyful noise unto the Lord as is commanded in Scripture, to, for making a sacrifice of praise, for singing unto each other songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, which is our reasonable act of service. So we see that God entrusts all of his servants with resources, and the question then becomes, what are you doing, what are we doing with God, what God has given us? In this passage, verse 16, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. Notice, he left and he put it to work immediately. More than likely, it's implied that the reason that he's putting it to work is because he is grateful to be entrusted with what he has been entrusted with by his master. Verse 17, so also the one who has two bags of gold went and he gained two more. He invested these bags of gold and interest uh, accrued, and and as a result, he was able to get more back. But look at verse 18. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. So rather than invest what he had into the bank where it could, could multiply while his master's was away, he dug a hole in the ground and he placed it in the ground. Placed it in the ground. Next, we'll see that God will return to investigate what you have done with what he gave you. And that's what we see, that, that the master is going to come back and investigate what was done with what these servants had. Verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now notice two things. One, we see that the master is going to commend this servant's character. Well done, good and faithful servant. He notices his character. And out of his character has come appropriate service. For rule of thumb, excellent character leads to excellent service. And character is a heart issue. One's character is is rooted in one's heart and what they're trusting their heart and, and setting their heart on. But Jesus commends him. He commends him. The second thing is that he invites him to share with his master's happiness. This is relational. Uh, Jesus saying that, that, that his master then invites him to more. He says, no, now the master wants you to share in his happiness. And here's the thing. This tells us that it wasn't simply about getting stuff done. It was about this this master also valued just relationship. 
And God is not, hasn't saved you just so that you can get stuff done. He saves you because he wants to be in a relationship with you. But as you're in a relationship with him, remember he has given you a mission because he has chosen and he plans to save others and he invites us to be a part of that mission. And one day we will too be commended for being faithful. Notice it doesn't say you, you, you great and superb servant. It doesn't say you great and perfect servant. It says you good and faithful servant. God is not calling us to perfection. If, the, if he was calling us to perfection, none of us will be found faithful at the end of the day. But he is calling us to, to faithfulness. Whereas Eugene Peterson, to long obedience in the same direction. Come and share your master's happiness. And, and we know as, as, as New Testament believers that this points us to heaven. This points us to the fact that one day God is going to share heaven with us. One day he's going to, what is heaven? Heaven is, 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 the, is God share his happiness with his, with his disciples. It is important for us to remember that heaven is more, not less. Some of us, we think about heaven, we're like, man, I kind of want to go to heaven. Like, I want to be with Jesus and everything, and I don't want to cry anymore and be able to sin, but I'm not sure. Like, can I golf in heaven? <laughs> I mean, that's how I was when I was younger. It was like, Dad, that sounds great, heaven and all, but can I hoop? Like, can I play basketball? <laughs> the true story. Heaven is more, not less. Heaven is God sharing his happiness with us. Heaven is this God who created the cosmos and galaxies that cannot be numbered, being visible with his children and giving us all eternity to enjoy his beauty and his wonder. Heaven is a reward for those who know that they are sinners and deserve hell, but who are grateful that God saved them and entrusted them with a few things with their life. The question is, how are you spending a short amount of time on earth? Are you stewarding all that you have and all that you are for this God who will one day wipe away every tear, who will one day allow you to stand in his presence without the ability to sin and reward you with billions and billions and billions of years of bliss and happiness. But the truth is, many of us, all we can see is what's right in front of us. All we can see is the Instagram post of our friends and, and how they're enjoying life, their best life now. And we're working our tails off trying to keep up with the Joneses, trying to impress people that we don't like and that don't like us. Let's just keep it 100. Keep it real. Sorry, I thought I was... <laughs> right? That's what we find ourselves doing. And we're settling for lesser things. God has taken care of all of that for us. And yes, we should enjoy the work of our hands. Yes, we should take time to rest 
and to, and to enjoy the, the fruit that God has made and that God has given. But when those things become our God, when those things become our focus, when those things become what we sacrifice for and sweat for, rather than living a life of gratitude out of what the master has done for us, we are in trouble. We're in trouble of drifting, and we are in trouble, in trouble of being like this, this other steward in this passage. Verse 22, Jesus responds to the one who has two bags of gold in the exact same way as the one who uh, was given five and made ten. Exact same response. Exact same response. He doesn't say, like, man, that's good. Like, your, your four is cool, but I can actually do without because he made ten for me. No, he's excited. He's like, great. And you made much of what I gave you. I know you weren't born with a silver spoon in your mouth. I know you had to work hard for everything you had. And at the end of the day, you, you, life was hard. But listen, you were faithful with the little bit I gave you. You didn't give up when things got tough. You, you could have been distracted and got jealous and envious and, and become bitter, but you chose to, to, to just continue to keep moving forward. Well done, good and faithful servant. I'll take these four bags. Come and share in my happiness. Come and share heaven for me. Come and see that, 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 the, that because you were faithful of these few things, I've made you ruler over many. And I don't know exactly what that means, but what I do know is that heaven will be equal and yet unequal. That in heaven, some will have more than others. It will be equal in the sense that there is no sin. There will be no bitterness. There will be no jealousy. There will be no sin. But it will be unequal in the, in the fact that those who who quite honest was the least of these, was the, the ones who, who, who served, was probably the ones who didn't get any attention, the ones who just, just served day in and day out for, for much of their life, probably doing menial tasks that no one else saw as significant. When we get to heaven, we'll probably be given much. This other servant... This other guy, look at how he responds. And the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man. I'm not sure if he said it like that, but you know. <laughs> Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. So he, he claims that the reason that he didn't do anything with the bag of gold that he was given was because he knew that the master was harsh. And the question is, was the master harsh? Well, as we read this text, I don't believe that anything in this text implies that the master was harsh. What this text implies is that the master was a businessman and he was about his business man. That's what the master responds in verse 26. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Look, the master gets to his heart. He's like, man, I see and I hear your excuses, but that at the end of the day, you're wicked. At the end of the day, what's caught you up is that you are lazy. Hear what's happening here. He didn't lose the bag. He didn't lose the bag. He simply failed to invest it. He didn't put it to work. 
listen. Jesus promised, John 15, abide in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. Just as I abide in, in the Father, you will bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Stay with me, remain in me, be connected to me. Let my words, take my words, obey my words, hear my words, abide in me and you will bear much fruit. It is impossible It is impossible to be a genuine Christian and look back over your life and over the long term of your life, see no fruit, minimum productivity, apathy and laziness about kingdom business. Many who say, Lord, Lord, are deceiving themselves. Many who say Jesus Christ is my Savior are deceiving us. And one of the tests on whether or not you are deceived is just simply looking back and saying, Where, what does my works point to? What, is, what does my sacrifices point to? What is it that I get passionate about? What is it in my life that points to a supernatural God? And my love of a supernatural God who entrusted me with salvation, though I did not deserve it. What is it in my life that points back to the fact that I treasure his grace? I treasure his goodness. I treasure his faithfulness. I know that I was a a wretched man, but amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wreck like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, and now I see. And I sing of that grace. I live out of that grace. I appreciate that grace. And that grace motivates me to move for the grace of God trains us to say no to ungodliness. The grace of God trains us and grows us and matures us. This wicked and lazy servant. Then he does some I believe it's some, some holy sarcasm here. So you knew, you knew that I harvested where I have not sown. Just see Jesus in wait, and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then he says, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. He said, if you knew that I was so hard, why didn't you do the most basic thing? And according to, uh, in the first century, Rome worked, uh, we, and our banking system works very similar to Rome. They, they, they operated off of principle and interest just like we do. He says, if you knew I was harsh, if that was the real reason you hid it, he sing past his excuses. If that was the real reason you hid it, and it wasn't because you're lazy and wicked, You would have just turned it into the bank and just let it do what it does. So Jesus sees past these excuses. He calls them out for his laziness. But here's the real issue. Here's the real issue. The real issue with this man in this story is that he wasn't regenerate. The real issue with this man in this story is that his heart had never been changed by grace through faith. The real issue with this man is that he had a cultural, nominal, Christian experience where he looked the part and played the part, maybe to fit in socially, 
Maybe to get the benefits of appearing to be a Christian. He played the part of being a servant, but he wasn't a servant. If the master was his master, he would have known his master's heart and he would have done what he knew his master was calling him to do. But he did the least that he could do and then went and enjoyed life however he wanted to enjoy it on his own terms. And Jesus' response for him was pretty hard. Now, this is Jesus. This is Jesus' words. This, this is not me trying to guilt you into anything. It's not like me just like, man, I'm going to go home and write a story and then come preach to the soldier in Midtown and try to. No, this is Jesus. This has been set for centuries. Listen to this. Got a problem with it? Go home and pray and ask God to help you. <laughs> so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Verse 30. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that seems hard. Like, Jesus, he didn't lose the money. He wasn't like Pastor Jamal, he didn't lose the ring. Like, he simply just didn't double it. But this is the sum of his life. Like, we all are probably going to have moments in our Christian walk where we struggle. And where the gospel is not sweet and it's hard for us to pick up our Bibles and read. That's a normal part of the Christian life. But that's also why the writer of Hebrews says fellowship is important. Gathering together regularly is important. That's where those, those, doc, those uh, 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 movements of grace, those disciplines of grace come in. The word, fellowship, when we don't feel like doing it, pressing through, just showing up, taking our heart to the Lord, being honest with the Lord, at least we drift for good. But if we look back at our life, and that was our whole entire Christian experience, and there is no fruit, my brother, my sister, you are deceived. And one day you will give an account for your life. This is Jesus' response to him. This is Jesus' response in many of the surrounding parables to the person who's claiming to be a disciple, but who is not living faithfully and waiting patiently for his return. Verse 30, 51 of chapter 24, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And what is he talking about? He's talking about eternal hell. When you die, you will either be found to be a faithful steward or a faithless steward. You will either be found to have been in Adam or in the second Adam, in Christ or not in Christ. There's no middle ground. And you will either spend eternity with God, this triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, enjoying his happiness or apart from him in hell, a place where there is darkness and suffering because he is not present. Let me give you three quick applications. One, look at this parable. Christian faithfully steward all that you are and all that you have for the master's kingdom. The Lord is just calling us to spiritually take inventory 
Sometimes life can come at us so fast and we all have so many responsibilities. But it's important that we take time regularly to not just simply do, but to be before the Lord. To take time and allow the Spirit, search my heart, heart, O Lord. See if there's anything that's not pleasing to you. Lord, show me right now. I can't tackle every area of my life right now, but show me right now what are you calling me to be faithful to? What area of my life are you calling me to narrow in on and to address? What is that? Is that right now? Is that with my family? Is that with, with being a, a better coworker? And we won't ignore the other area and say, well, this is one area, so I'm going to ignore everything else. No, that's like heresy. That's like antinomianism. That's something. It's something. Somebody, somebody will tell you what it is that's smarter than me. <laughs> like, no, you be faithful in all that the Lord has given us, but take inventory, listen to the Spirit as you, as you read and as you study, and say, press upon my heart, Lord. Show me where I can be more faithful so that I can make the most of all of who I am, all of who I am, and all that I have. And for, for all of us, as we apply this text, I think a great way to press in is, is financial stewardship. Especially if you're a member of this body in the church and a Christian, God has called us to collectively put our resources together to give to, his, to the church that we are a part of and to his kingdom so that we can advance the gospel. And the Lord is doing many beautiful things here at Sojourn Midtown. Beautiful things. Honestly, there's not a time where I walk into this sanctuary to preach on a Sunday morning where I am overwhelmed by God's grace and say, Lord, I know that I am here, not here as the pastor of this church because I deserve it. This is all of grace. Because I look around and I see ministries and I see people who are doing kingdom things and it's beautiful, it's contagious. But here's the truth. For a church of our size, and for a church that the Lord has entrusted with and told us to entrust and to be stewards of so many beautiful things, we too often are ministering out of lack. We too often, as a church, are ministering out of lack simply because many of us are not stewarding our personal finances well so that we can give back to the work that's happening. The Lord's been faithful. But if we continue on that trend, think we will fill it as a church. So this is a call for all of us to go home, to, to look at where we spend money, to look at where we waste it. And many times it's just simply because of a lack of discipline. It's a lack of taking inventory. It's the writer of Proverbs said, man's job is to look at his sheep, to look at his cattle, to look at all that he has and to, to take count and to notice and to plan well. At least the day comes where he, he's in a season of lack. And we do this not for ourselves. We do it because we've been saved by grace and we've received and been entrusted with much. Second, Christian, root your confidence in the master's character as revealed in the scripture and not the God of your imagination. This, this man does not have a relationship with his master, so he assumes that he's harsh. And for those of us who have a relationship with God, we know that he is not harsh because we know that his word says that he's not. 
And we can look back at his word and to see that Je- what Jesus Christ has done for us by giving his own life for us. And we know that he's good. God is not like that, that parent or that principal or that teacher who is harsh with you. He disciplines us because he loves us to refocus us, to draw us back to himself. But he's not harsh. Some of us, our imaginations say that, no, he's not harsh. It's the opposite extreme. It's that he'll put up with whatever I do. And that I don't have to change my life. All I have to do is kind of, in a shallow way, ask for forgiveness and I'm forgiven. No, that's cheap grace. That's cheap grace. That's the God of your imagination. God calls us to pursue him and to live in faith and obedience. But he has given us mediation through Christ. So steward your salvation well and root it in the word. And finally, this is a call to all. It's a reminder to all that the master will return for a day of reckoning. And the question is, how will you be found? Will you be found faithful or faithless? With all that you have, how will you be found? With your body, with your singleness, have you stewarded it for the glory of God? With your finances, are you storing it, storing it for the glory of God? With your spouse, have you kept the honey in the moon? Are you storing it, storing it for the glory of God? With your singleness, are you storing it for the glory of God? Are you maximizing yourself for the glory of God? With your money, with your children, with your church membership. Are you stewarding it for the glory of God? Does it reflect that Jesus is your Lord? Or are you doing minimal? Or are you doing what you want to do without asking the question, what sayest the Lord? To the word of God, we say amen. To the opinions of others and to our own imagination, we say perhaps. God has spoken clearly to our word and he has investigated and he has showed us what it looks like to pursue Christ in an authentic relationship and to have a relationship with him. And our lives should be seeking to say amen. And when we fall, we look to Christ, our mediator, to his sacrifice. We repent. We cry out to God and through the spirit empowering us, we pursue change. We pursue change. And every Sunday when we gather together, we remind ourselves of what Christ has done, but also that Christ will return by taking a meal called communion. Communion points to our union with Christ and it reminds us what Christ has done for us. The fact that Christ was a faithful steward, faithful unto death. He never mishandled anything that the Father entrusted to him. He only did the Father's will. And he did it perfectly so that when you and I fall short, we don't live in condemnation, but rather we regroup by repenting and looking to his perfect sacrifice and finding life, knowing that his blood covers that. And out of gratitude, we seek to live in faith and obedience. If you're not a Christian here, you are not stewarding your life well. God has given you the breath in your body so that you can use that breath 
to be in relationship with him and to live for his purposes. And today you have an opportunity to repent and trust in Jesus by seeing what he has done for you and that you, just like me, make for a horrible manager apart from God. So today I urge you to give your life to Jesus because that day of reckoning will come. And that's not just when Christ returns, but it's when that breath leaves out of your body and tomorrow is not promised. The night when Jesus was betrayed, the Bible says he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. The same way he took a cup and said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood shed for you. Christian, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Preach the Lord's death until he returns. Here at Sojourn, we take a piece of bread, we dip it in wine or juice. The wine is marked by twine, whatever your conscience permits. This meal is uh, just for Christians. If you're not a Christian, uh, do not partake in this meal. This is a physical, visible reminder of what Christ has done for us. This is an opportunity for us to reflect uh, weekly when we gather together um, and to see if our lives um, are, if we're living our lives worthy of the calling that we have received by the grace of God to the best of our ability. Let's eat.